to The Apple of Truth, a bi-weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 1, Episode 5, Sweet Kicks. We understand that these are difficult times, so even though I'm gonna start talking about Patreon, do not feel in any way obligated to join right now. However, if you can and want to support us, please feel free to come over to our Patreon page and check out our all amazing extras that we have there because we love you and we won't shut up ever so we have a lot of extras that is true if you join on a certain level you get access to the bonus cut scenes from every single episode because while the normal episode is about an hour the actual content is more like 90 to 120 minutes so you're missing out when you're not listening to the cut stuff and sometimes it's just funny little jokes but sometimes it's really interesting deep cuts. Okay, it's time to cut the crap and get into the episode. First, we need to go to the wonderful summaries because German Amazon failed at everything. Yes, finally. I was waiting for this for five episodes. So the IMDb and Amazon UK description is more or less okay. It's basically Lucifer is at a fashion show. A girl gets murdered. He's intrigued with the danger and he helps Chloe solve the case and Mace contacts Amanda Deal because she wants to go back to hell behind Lucifer's back. So both of them have parts of this and it's perfectly fine. But the German description is literally the same as the last episode but they restructured the wording in a way that the wording is similar to the English style of this episode but the content is the same as last. What? So it's Super weird. <laughs> I'm very confused right now. Even if you don't have a German Amazon account, you can look at the page. And even if you don't speak German, you will notice the identical words, just in different placings. But the best is, again, with the title. The English title is Sweet Kicks, which, non-surprising, is again being name-dropped, even though this time not by Lucifer. For the first time! The German names of the episodes have been very descriptive and this is no different. This episode is called The Duel of the Artists. Great. I just love how imaginative the Germans are. Last part for the facts and fun before we go into the episode. I checked out the written by credit and her name is Sherry Elwood. I was not familiar with the other stuff that she has done. It's her first Lucifer writing credit but she has been co-producer in all of the previous four episodes and she will have seven more writing credits and since I do not like this episode and have several kind of severe issues with it I'm gonna keep an eye out on her name showing up again if her other seven episodes also rate as low on my list as this one does. I'm sorry Shelley Edward, maybe it's not your fault but... Look, I have made my peace with the fact that we probably not gonna be some of the writer's favorite people because <laughs> we rained down slightly harsh on episode three. So maybe just a tiny little bit. Hey, it deserved it. It's not a great episode. Those writers are coming back and we're gonna see how we like the next episode done by them. Very true. And with that being said, let's get into the episode. 
Previously on, we get a quick rundown of Naked Lucifer, Lucifer's insecurity, Mace and Ames possibly collaborating in the future, Dunn being a judging arsehole, and Lucy having powers, and Chloe shooting him in a leg, and Lucifer bleeding. And being intrigued. It kind of gives us something to look forward to in this episode. And it's nice that we start with a naked Lucifer. Oh, obviously. It's a good way to start an episode, not gonna lie. Yeah. In the beginning, I was happy. Well, and then the first scene comes in. Yeah. I have very different titles this time because I was very much confused. Because the first scene is at a freaking fashion show. I do not understand fashion. I do not understand fashion shows. So my name for scene one is, what is even the point of fashion shows? I do not expect an answer. My issue, first issue with this episode comes in the first sentence of the episode where Lucifer starts asking questions about the fashion and Mace has to tell him that it's about shoes. Dude, you're looking at the models. You gave the guy a favor. I lived under the impression that you follow your successes or your favors. Why don't you know that he is making shoes? Well, we're gonna have to talk about Lucifer's favors in general because later on he says that he has done them in the thousands. But the thing is, Lucifer being the posh, rich standard that we talked about last episode. This is not the first time he's at a fashion show. I can't imagine. And even if it is the first time he's at a fashion show, he would have an invite and the invite would tell him that it is about the freaking shoes. Well, then again, I don't think he would read the invite. Plus, it's kind of obvious that the only intriguing or different part that the models are wearing are their shoes, even though they're fucking hideous. Well... And it gets worse. It gets so much worse. There is a bunch of things in that first scene that did not make me extremely happy. The most dangerous desire of the model is a cheeseburger. That's sad. That's just really, really sad. It's a fucking cliche. It's body shaming implied because she's not allowed to eat because modeling sucks and it's really, really bad for your body image and she has to starve herself to be a model and yada, yada, yada. It's also really a bad joke. It's like, what's the dangerous desire of such a skinny woman? A cheeseburger. (laughs) Yeah. So I was already there slightly exasperated, just like Mace, because Mace is so over Lucifer's shit. Oh, she is so over his shit this episode, this entire fucking episode. Yes, and I'm so with her. I find Lucifer utterly unbearable and exasperating in this episode. He's a fucking dick. I'm gonna get into it when he is, but he he's a fucking dick. I can see where you're coming from, but I don't entirely agree with it. That's okay. We'll get to it. I also, the ending of the first scene, when you have the trampled to death girl lying on the floor. It's so extremely casual and I know that Lucifer is an angel and Maze is a demon and this is just a human life that has been ended. But Lucifer in the past four episodes has shown to be capable of a bit more empathy towards the human race and he felt very detached from his normal self. So one of the issues of this episode is that the victim is not really presented as a victim. She's not relevant at all. Yeah, nobody talks about her. They're not trying to solve her death. They're trying to solve somebody shooting at some asshole. Yeah, because she got trampled to death. Chloe in the next scene is the only one who shows any kind of empathy. Yeah. Everyone else in this episode is 
either utterly ignorant and unfeeling or only looking out for themselves and their own perceived interests. Yeah. This is the only moment in the episode where Chloe, when she talks to the mom and goes like, I will find the person who's responsible for your daughter's death, is showing empathy and her brand of police style. She takes everything very personal. And that's why we love her. I don't love her, but this is one of her best qualities. Exactly. Well, we're already in the next scene, so we can just... Speaking of the next scene, how amazing it is they finally got the money to make a precinct. This is what I call this scene. (laughs) First time at the precinct! What I find really interesting is that for the first time we see Chloe actually letting go something? Because that approaches her and they start talking about Lucifer and she says, I'm done. He was just something that I, an enigma that I wanted to solve. But as I was writing this down, I realized why she lets it go. It's because she shoots him and that in her eyes and in her mind disproves everything that he ever said. And she just has him for a fucking joker. She doesn't want to think about it too hard because she fucked up. She feels guilty about what happened and she feels bad that she got swayed by Lucifer into his life lies. Absolutely. And it's nicely done that she tells them that, hey, I'm done. And he's basically right behind her on her desk. Lucy, the teasing that he does with her about uh, that she shot him, for me, it didn't read as fun teasing. For me, it felt like being a dick. He didn't have to do that. Look, I was watching this and I was reminded of one of the last scenes or penultimate scene from the last episode where they walk out of the building and they have the banter about, oh, I single-handedly solved this case and you need me. And Chloe was like, yeah, but you single-handedly fucked up this case, so I wouldn't need you if you wouldn't fuck up. So, you know, they had this banter. Yeah, but it wasn't banter. It wasn't banter this time. She did not I felt like it was. From his side, he was trying to maybe recreate the emotional moment or something like that. It's not funny if only one person laughs. What I find interesting, Lieutenant Monroe... Olivia? ...seems very much immune to Lucifer's sexual charms. Is he trying to sleep with her? I don't think he's trying to sleep with her. He doesn't have to try to sleep with her for him to work his charms on her. He wants to be a liaison for the police. Yes. And usually he could just do his fancy power thing and everyone would swoon and he would get his way. Just like he did with the policewoman guarding the cell and several times in the past few episodes. But Lieutenant Monroe, Olivia, she has a goal and she pretty much immediately goes I have this goal if you can help me with this I can help you and then we're good he's not even the one who starts with the I could do you a favor but if you notice he started using his powers on her that's why she started talking about it he didn't use the tell me what you desire oh no but he does the whole eye contact thing but eye contact only does not trigger honest responses it does no Benny Choi later on looks him in the face and lies okay I missed that one but I was watching this scene and I literally wrote down it's cool that we get to see how he enforces the favors and there was no blinking he found a weak spot or we found out what she wanted and reciprocated but he didn't start with let me do you a favor and then she tells him what she wants oh no 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 he basically sits down she starts talking no he sits down and says look this is what I want and she says well this is what I want and he goes 
okay, so I can do this for you so you can give me my thing. But why does he have to? In my eyes, this is not one-time thing. This is something that he's trying to set up long-term. And rather than seduce somebody into this... So does this, his power lose power if he uses it more than once? Because, for example, when he got Nick Hofmeister out of the cell, he just charmed the lady and took him. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't need to build a relationship on top of that. In this moment, he's trying to achieve a different thing. So he wants to do a whole favor exchange. So this is a stable situation for time to come. Yes. Okay, I can live with that. Okay, good. Boom! Title card, 723. Yes, same timestamp for me. And I kept the Chloe admitting that... For a moment, she actually believed that Lucifer was the devil. I find this very noteworthy because obviously at some point she will have to believe Lucifer that he's the devil. Like the whole point of the show is gonna have to be that at some point she will have to believe him. But episode five basically puts us back into square one, even worse. Because the last four episodes, Lucifer used the, I'm immortal, you can try to hurt me. And now he can't. And it was his one surefire way of proving that he is not human and now and please tell me if i'm wrong now the only way to prove that he's not human would be to show his devil face and so far everyone who's seen that has been turned insane also at the beginning she didn't know him so she didn't have a reason to think that he's a liar now she is utterly convinced that he's full of shit because he was claiming for the last four episodes that he's immortal and he can't be hurt yet she shot him and he bled yeah and i'm pretty sure that's also gonna be some transference of she shot him but he kind of like talked her into it so yeah there's tension but i liked that they now have an official base of lucifer being a liaison I was waiting for an official base to have Lucifer tag along. And I'm surprised they waited for five episodes with this. But I like it. Yeah, they took their time and they found reasonable enough explanations for him to stick around in the previous cases. Then we're back at Lucy's penthouse. I called this one convenient connection is convenient. That Benny Choi and Lucifer do have a connection. There is a reason why he was at that fashion show he didn't know nothing about. Yes, and there's the reason why Olivia let him to be the liaison because he can get Benny to talk. I utterly adore the pet pig. It's so cute. So cute. At the end of the scene with the nose going... Back to Lucifer's scene four, which I called bullying Chloe is not nice, Lucy. Because he's bullying her into going to the bar and she desperately does not want to. And... Again, he displays an utter lack of empathy and an extreme high amount of egotistical behavior, which both is legit for Lucifer, but not in that amount when it comes to Chloe. This is my main issue, mm. that around Chloe in the last few episodes, he has shown growth. Mm. He has shown to be less egotistical and showing more empathy. Again, it feels like all progress that happened is deleted and he's back to his very, very childish self-involved kind of dickish behavior which was okay in episode one but we're now in episode five and i'm getting kind of fed up see the main difference between me and you here is that maybe i should perceive it that way because the way you're describing it it actually feels accurate but at the same time when i was watching it i didn't feel this to be so harsh i kind of feel like there is a lot of playfulness between the two of them and yes it's kind of pushing Chloe into something that she doesn't really want to do but the same way as we were talking about in the last episode if 
Chloe didn't want him there, there was no way for her to get him out of there. I feel that Lucifer is pretty much just put into a situation where he needs to make sure that he's not crossing the boundaries that Chloe really doesn't wanna. But he keeps crossing. He keeps crossing the boundary. But I keep thinking that if she really wouldn't want to do it, she just wouldn't. I don't know. She seems highly uncomfortable by the fact that they have to go to the bar. And the only reason why she agrees is that she basically pressures him into dropping the whole you shot me issue, which would put her fucking job in jeopardy. So I feel like this is not, again, it's not an even power situation. But I don't only have complaints. I'm really sorry that I'm being so... Thank you, because I feel really depressed right now. I have a question. Because Lucy says, do you want to take a peek at my ledger? Do you think he has a ledger? Honestly, I hope he does. And I need to see it. I can't imagine. If he has a ledger, like a written ledger, how old is it? How many favors are in there? He says that he has been doing this for thousands of years, which means he has been doing it also when he was in hell. Yeah. How did people get favors? Did we summon him and he would do us a favor? Or would demons collect souls? But he's not interested in souls. Like he always goes like humans are to only to blame for themselves. So why would he grant favors while he's down in hell for humans who are on earth when it has no relevance on their soul so i have so many questions also one of the very great things of writing in this episode for me is you're the oldest young person i know that's me which in my opinion is the perfect description of Chloe. Absolutely. And it's also a perfect description of me. No. Oh, you don't know me that well. Whenever I've seen you, you have not behaved old in any regard. Because you only see vacation Veronica. Exactly. You don't see the real life Veronica. I see podcast Veronica. The real life Veronica is all about get off my lawn and I don't (laughs) drink. I get too tired. I don't go out after nine (laughs) o'clock. Please can we put the telly on louder because I can't hear anything and stuff like that. That's my real life me. (laughs) No, I prefer happy vacation time, Vero. Yeah. So basically, Vero is not old. Veronica is old. Yeah. No. (laughs) Okay, I have a song. I have a song. When we go into the bar, it is song by the Delta Riggs. And it's called Money. No, no. Not all the songs in this episode are descriptive of the scenes. Well, they all are. But not all the songs in this episode are that good. This one is one of the good ones. And it's money. It's very much, I kind of see it as a description of the scene. Because we get Palmetto brought up. And then she mentions that... Oh, he's on the tape. She is convinced that the shot guy was on the tape. So we have the money inserted in there. So it's all about... It's all like... Mind blown. It's, it's all really good. They are so good with the music. Especially in this episode, they're so good at it. And also this time, it wasn't as much in your face as with some of the other songs. So now I'm happy. I call this scene, why do so many cops have time to day drink? <laughs> because they're all set and depressed. <laughs> and corrupt. Well, the corrupt ones are there, obviously. Also, excuse me, they walked into the bar and I stopped and it goes, here comes that bitch Decker. Yeah. Excuse me. A bit rough, are we? A bit rough? Girl, Chloe is a freaking snitch. Duh. She's not a snitch. She had a theory about somebody being corrupted. That doesn't mean that she's a snitch. Apparently, the common consensus is that he wasn't. So she snitched on someone 
innocent so she's a bad person in their eyes i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say she's in the right because she's chloe decker and she's always right it would be very surprising if her gut feeling suddenly was wrong especially since in this very episode her gut again proves to be very very much correct also we've seen her being very smart detective exactly especially compared to dan but chloe being seen as a snitch by her peers fits her character very very much absolutely yeah i don't like it no i i don't like it because a people are behaving extremely rude and shitty to her so i'm not a fan b as competent as she has been shown as a detective it's in my opinion extremely obvious that she is right so it's even more grating that people are treating her like shit even though she is a very competent police person so someone should have looked into this but it fits her character so i'm happy with this character side and i'm pretty much reconciled with lucifer for the moment because the asshole comes up insults chloe and he stays super calm and well okay i understand but uh rudeness is not an option basically and chloe goes like no 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 i don't need you to defend my honor and he goes noted goes over there makes an extremely clear point that he's not doing it for chloe and punches him in the face. Yes. And I was just sitting there and going, yes, this is the Lucy that I want. And that's the one we know. Yeah. From previous episodes as well. Exactly. Because he doesn't give a fuck about defending somebody's honor. He's doing it because, look, I see shit that's wrong and I'm gonna do something about it. So, fuck you. He doesn't like certain types of behavior and in the last few scenes I feel like he switched over into certain behaviors that he would not like in other people and this is where my main issue came from but scene five made my heart go very very open so i was very happy you know what else made me extremely happy did you notice the name of the coffee shop no belzebine oh i have a thing about this scene i adore this scene this scene is absolutely fucking amazing it's great from the start to the end i love it except i have one question but after you i have a song for this scene and i noticed the music change but i couldn't really make up the song so i turned to the internet and a couple of episodes back i found this website that writes out all the songs at all episodes makes my life much easier thank you internet thank you internet <laughs> however this has a song and again the song title is absolutely fucking perfect it is a brilliant song as well you can barely hear it it's just in the background there it's sung by uh, valerie broussard not sure if i'm pronouncing that right but the song name is a little wicked Ooh. which is so fucking good for the whole scene i love it so much yes but off you go with your question. I'm absolutely with you. I love the scene. I love Maze taking the dig at the hipster coffee shop culture with the dreams that they know they'll never gonna achieve. And Maze sicking aims on Linda is super devious and super smart. But it's also such a fucking betrayal. No, because she's not actually betraying Lucifer. This information is something that Amanda Deal could have gleaned somewhere else if he had taken more time to stalk lucifer for example so it's not an outright betrayal in my book it's not her telling ames that lucifer is now mortal that would be a betrayal that's true but she doesn't so i really really like her solution what i don't understand is amenadiel wants mace to help him so why the dig at her loyalty he is pretty much convinced 
that he is the best thing that ever happened to anybody. He's the best thing before sliced bread. Yes. Yes. So he considers himself... What's the opposite of subhuman? Uberhuman. So he he considers himself an uberhuman. <laughs> so you have angels. Above them, you have archangels. Above them, you have a minideal in his eyes. And then you have God. And then maybe you have God. He would never blasphemize and be, put himself beyond God. So it's God, a Manadiel, yeah. the rest of the archangels, angels, humans. And then you have nothing for a really long time and then you have demons in his eyes. So he doesn't think of her as a person. Yeah, you're right. Point for Vero. Yay! If you're gonna do that, I'm gonna celebrate every time you're gonna say that. So yeah, Of course, please. No, but you're absolutely right. Next up, we got scene seven, which I called... Why are you being so creepy, Ames? It's horrible. He does not behave like a human at all. Because he's not a human. But I don't understand why do we have the creeping atmosphere in this scene at all? Why? I would expect it's because they're trying to show us that Amenadiel is not human and he doesn't know how to behave like one just yet. So he creates an atmosphere that makes Linda jumpy as fuck when she's leaving her office? I think that he's flying around her. We can hear the flying noises. So he's making her uncomfortable? Yes, on purpose. Either on purpose or because he's fucking idiot? Yeah, both. Okay. I do believe, Linda, that she knows Krav Maga. Yes. And I love the mental image. Of course she does. And also my last note is Amenadiel smiling dementedly at Linda is very creepy. <laughs> Props to D.B. Woodside for playing it like this. But if someone looked at me like that, I would leave. Mm-hmm. Because he's fucking hot, but I would still leave. Like, yep. So, yeah. We are moving on to the next scene, which has a song. The song itself is by Thomas Azier. I am butchering all these names. I can tell you that right now. We're butchering English, so we can butcher names as well. Fair enough. So the name of the song is Ghost City, and I could not really figure out how it connects to the scene. So I'm just going to put it out there, and if you have a theory, shoot. Give us your interpretations on why they picked this song for this moment. Yeah. Lucifer at tut-podcast.com this scene sadly brings me back to feeling that Lucy is behaving like an ass because I called this scene why are you being such an ass this time Lucy I think most of my frustration with this episode and Lucifer in particular comes from me empathizing with Mace yeah because she is frustrated the entire episode yeah she is but at the same time watching this from the other point of view I feel that Mace is being very anal about this I don't mean to say that she is necessarily wrong but I feel like at times she gets a little bit too overboard in my opinion which apparently she has no other choice in yes this is all another bag of worms this scene starts with Mace being so frustrated and Lucy having utter disregard for anyone except himself and not even for himself. And it's starting to get even more grating than before. And then he drops this line, you exist to protect me whether you want to or not. And this is the moment for me where I go like, pause the episode Now, wait a moment. Because we talked about do angels have free will? How much of how they are, what they do, how they behave is given to them by God because of their roles and how much is up to themselves. And now we have to add another question to this. What about demons? We only have one demon so far with Mace. And does this mean that Mace does not have 
free will. Because if she does not, this is gonna get problematic so fast. Oh yeah. Mace seems to be enjoying what she's doing, but that is no indication of if it's her choice. Yeah. The question is, is it because she really doesn't have a choice? Or is it because she has this obligation or love or whatever, some kind of a thing that kind of holds her to Lucifer. We had that in the previous episode that she followed him and she is loyal to him and everything. But him stating that whether you want to or not is the problematic part for me. Because up to this point, I thought that she felt obligated to him and cared about him. Mm -hmm. And those were the reasons why she stuck by his side and protects him and cares and yada yada. But now with Lucy being in for me asshole mode going whether you want to or not and her not spitting in his face she says something at the end of the episode as well she says i will protect you from all the danger from everything no matter where the danger comes from whether you see it or not but still is it her choice or not that is a big question for me and i don't think that we are able to answer that right now no no we don't have an answer in this episode but we need to keep a very close eye on this yeah so i'm putting it in the open question list at the end of my notes which has not yet grown any shorter (laughs) we're only in episode five (laughs) since we're already in a very good mood to talk then showing up is a classic than wanting to do a good thing and fucking it up because I absolutely agree with him that he can take issue with someone putting the mother of his daughter at risk no matter how capable his wife ex-wife whatever is just like Chloe would take issue with someone putting Dan at risk because he's the fucking father of her daughter but the way he does it is again not great but the intention that he has is good so it's a classic Dan good thought shitty action but it's also impressive he gets hands-on with Lucifer this is the first time He physically stops Lucifer from turning away and Lucifer lets him, which I find really interesting. Also, the prominent ring I mentioned earlier in another episode on his right hand, still there. I'm still keeping my eye out. I have no idea what the ring is for, but I'm noticing it. Go on your Dan rant. I'm not gonna do anything too long here. We all know how I feel about Daniel. He's a dick. (laughs) Daniel? I want to punch him in the face. Okay, I get the fact that Chloe is the mother of his child and good on him to make this argument over how dare you talk to my woman like that, which is his usual go-to. We know that. But uh, did he really expect for that speech to actually work? Did he really? He's not that stupid, is he? No, he knows that it doesn't work, but he still has to say it, which is one of his few good qualities. Is it? Is it though? Yeah. No, look, I completely see why Lucy didn't say anything or didn't do anything, because why would he? He so clearly had an upper hand in that situation. He didn't need to to do anything. He always has the upper hand. He never needs to do anything. And he dislikes Dan a lot. Yeah, but I think if Chloe would have been there or Mace would have been there, maybe his reaction would be a little bit different. But... Oh, you think without an audience there's even less reason to act out? Yeah, he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody there. Like, there was nobody to prove it to. He just proved to himself that he has the upper hand by 
making the jokes and shit. But doesn't he feel like he needs to put Dan into his place? Or But why? In front of whom? For whom's benefit? So in this moment, I feel like it's worse undone that lucifer didn't actually do anything that he had to resort to physical contact because words and physical contact didn't even get the reaction that dan was hoping for it was more about oh you're not even worth to me to do anything about this because look i'm just gonna brush you off with a fucking stupid joke lucifer isn't mature enough for this to be a conscious decision on handling it like this i disagree on that i think that he is well aware of his actions consequences in this particular type of situation not in this episode in this episode it feels like he's very immature for the next scene i called it lucy bored lucy no empathy i called this scene uh, the description simply following leads and i was disappointed in chloe that she locks lucifer in the car because in episode one she does that and he gets out and she should remember that no she keeps him in the back of the car and that's different because this time she actually physically locked the car so it's easier to get out of the behind compartment of a police car than it is to get out of a locked car don't know maybe i would have think it differently i was kind of disappointed that she thought that the car could hold lucifer when she knows that he broke into her house he got out of the police car he gets out of handcuffs why on earth would a fucking normal car door hold him inside so i feel like this was lazy writing because chloe is too smart to act like this after four episodes with Lucifer. I'm not sure that she expects him to stay in. Also, no, I'm gonna make a point. All these things happened before she started thinking about him as a lying, filthy, lying human. Still, she knows that he somehow is a trickster. So it was before she shot him. So, in my point of view, she is trying to forget everything that didn't make sense before because now she has proven to herself that he's just a liar who lies and lies and lies because she shot him and even though he said he's immortal and can't hurt him, he bled. Do you really think she's that simple? That she just disregards everything? No, I don't think that's simple. I think that's just the fact that she's in a deep denial and she doesn't allow herself to think about these things. Oh, so okay, the denial. Yes, I don't think that she allows herself to think about these things. Temporary amnesia to anything... That didn't make sense before. Supernatural or unexplainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point to Vero. And also I think that she is making a point by saying you behave like a child, you get treated like a child this is the moment where i have another big issue with the writing of the episode because while yeah suspend disbelief i can do that i watched the weirdest shit but making fun of the guy who is emotional because he feels responsible about the death of his cousin does neither feel appropriate and it doesn't feel Lucifer. Lucifer so far has not been a manly man who has an issue with men displaying emotion. And where his bad guys have to act tough impression comes from, I don't know. It feels like Lucifer is in his own movie or something and has his own expectations. And I don't know why and where it comes from. I'm missing the base of his expectations. And then it gets worse because not with the writing, but with the emotion. Because then we go to the next scene and the pig is dead. And so it just keeps being a downer and a downer and a downer in different areas. Like once is the rational part and then it's the emotional part because the pig is dead. 
I'm just sitting there. I feel that the entire episode kind of digs a big hole and it keeps digging and keeps digging and keeps digging until one moment and that very moment of Lucifer realizing the bullshit later with the yellow viper scene. And that was that one moment when it turns around. But we're gonna dig a hole until then. As I had to suffer, you and our listeners are gonna have to suffer with But me. I feel so depressed. Welcome to my life. It's a very sad moment, except for the moment where Hector comes out with a bunch of black fucking candles. I have a question. What the fuck is Hector doing with those candles? Is he doing a satanic ritual? No, he's doing a vigil. It's a vigil. Vigil? When someone dies, you hold a vigil. How? What is that? Explain, please. A, a vigil is basically you hold a guard. You sit together and you guard the parting of the soul. Oh, yeah. But that's like a super, super old tradition, isn't it? It's also back in the days when we still had a lot of grave robbers. You would sit for a certain while with the corpse until it's old enough so nobody would take it anymore. So yeah, there's different kinds of vigils. But it's for a pig. They loved the pig. They are kneeling in front of the pig. Hector obviously loved the pig. Pig Diddy. He was the only one, clearly. Yeah. Because fucking Benny killed him. Last note on this scene, I found the earlier, oh, this is a lead, this is a lead, already very obvious, but I could live with it. But now, Benny is so quick to claim that Viper is a danger to him, even though just a few seconds before, he claimed that he didn't even know that Viper was out. This should be a huge warning sign instead of a fucking boring red herring. Next up, we have scene 11, which I called, stop being so creepy, Ames. And gross. Because it ends with another one of his fucking creepy smiles but that's all my notes except the fluid exchange really aims now you go with your 15 words on this scene gross fluid exchange what the fuck was that on purpose i don't think so no it definitely was not on purpose and his fucking creepy smile is for me to prove that it wasn't on purpose yep and i hate mg deal and he is quickly catching up with Dan. He surpassed Dan. He's yucky on a whole different level. This is gonna be an extra segment because otherwise it's gonna get overboard. So coming up next, we have the longest scene for this episode because I kept the entire confrontation with Viper, the fight and the conclusion in one scene because in my opinion, splitting it up makes no sense. I called this Mace is the best part of this entire episode. <laughs> and you're not wrong. No, and seriously, this is the reason why this episode ranks way higher than it would otherwise. I'm gonna, just before we get into this, there is a song. I'm just gonna get it out of the way. It's a little bit later in the scene, but it's a second Spanish-speaking song that we have in this episode. I didn't mention the first one because it didn't have any significance, but it's by Santi Mostafa. And this one's name is S. Sora, which translates to it's time mm. which again fucking mic drop thank you and kudos for naming the entire scene for us 
I punched the microphone, sorry. Nice. Had I known that, I would have simply used that as scene title. <laughs> yep, there you go. You're welcome. Now we can get into the scene. Lucifer says, I can't be held responsible for what happens after I grant a favor. And I'm fully on board with Chloe in disagreeing. Because yes, people are responsible for their own actions, but you still have to make an informed choice when you help someone. So I think at this moment, and we're gonna get back to this, I believe, a little bit later when uh, this is brought up again after this scene or at the end of this scene, the cause and effect, the responsibility, the whole fact that Lucifer gave Benny a favor and didn't go out of his way to learn more information. Not even out of his way. He didn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have to run a fucking background check on the dude, but he didn't even do due diligence. Well, in fairness, it was a really shitty thing to do by Benny to ask for a favor even though he knew what the effect of this would have been. Lucifer has the power that people have to be honest with him, so it would be very easy for him before granting a favor to ask the people he grants the favor to to put them on the spot and go are you putting someone else willingly and consciously into danger or whatever? Like, it would be so easy for him. It would. However, we've seen him at the beginning of this episode talking to Olivia and seeing a little bit more insight of how a favor exchange is made with Lucifer. So we see that he doesn't really check for these things. Because he doesn't care, but that makes it still his responsibility. Yes, I'm agreeing that he should, but he doesn't. And if Benny would have told him, I don't think that he would accept doing that favor. Exactly. So I'm fully on board with Chloe. This scene is also finally the moment where Lucifer stops being such a non-caring asshole in this episode. And what I really love and going back to Tom Ellis's acting is that you can see the moment on his face. He's so good. It's asshole, 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 asshole. Wait a second. Looks behind him, sees Viper trying to protect the children, recognizes that he is doing something really shitty and that he shouldn't be doing that, turns around. At that moment, we see completely different face and he completely changes his behavior like nothing. And I fucking adore that you can distinguish the very moment where the whole thing changes and flips over. Acting-wise, I have zero complaints in this episode. You just have to look at Tom Ellis and you know what type of Lucifer you are having at the moment, which is not something every actor can do. So, full agreement. I also find it interesting that he basically says this derogatory statement about the kids. The scene progresses. He turns around, he sees Viper protecting the kids, like, literally putting him in front. And he's a little bit in like a Jesus way. Yeah. That's really nice. That is the moment where he turns. So he might not care for children, but the willing self-sacrifice that Viper is obvious willing to make is what touches him and kicks him out of his asshole behavior. So mm -hmm. I'm fully on board with that. I just wish it hadn't taken a fucking half hour to get that Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Enter stage maze. Woohoo! Holy shit. That that scene is so fun. And it's so well done. But everything, everything. How Chloe takes Lucifer out of it by knocking him down 
landing on top of him because this is what you do as protective services. You shield someone who is vulnerable from bullets. Chloe being a fucking badass in this situation that she is not responsible for. So go Chloe. And then you have her wonderful commentary. Your bartender is a ninja. Of course she is. Yes, yes, Maze is a ninja. Speaking of commentary, Tom Ellis commenting the entire fight scene. The whole description. It's so good. Every physical injury. Honestly, without that, the scene would be half as impressive as it actually was. You don't really get to see anything or do you don't get to really see much of the fight. Without his commentary, it would be badass. With his commentary, it's badass and hilarious. So it just stands it up another level. And then again it proves that Lucifer's stunts coordinators and choreographers are really good at their job and the whole kind of idea how this was shot so props to the director as well because it just got me in the moment. It was Lucifer. It was funny It was dangerous, it was enjoyable, it was well done, well shot. It was just very much the standard that I came to expect in five episodes so far. The scene gets done, cleaned up, and when Chloe mentions what could have gone wrong, again, Tom Alice's face acting is fucking brilliant because we see genuine worry or the slight showing of remorse on his face because he is used to being invincible and he is used to not caring about humans so I'm totally on board with him not always being on top of what everything could mean for humans Mm -hmm. but he's also not stupid so I expect more of him but I also wonder when Dan showed up and goes like what happened here She says, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. She still has to write a fucking report. What is she going to put in her report? A ninja showed up? Look, Dan's not gonna read the report. No, no, but still, serious question. What is Chloe putting in the police report to describe what just happened? I don't know. Exactly. Honestly, I have no fucking clue. I'm sure that she's gonna come up with something. See, if we ever get a chance to meet Lauren... Lauren German, yeah. This is something that I would love to ask her. I actually want to ask Joe and Ildi. Well, yeah, they would write it, but... I think it would be interesting to see what Lauren has. What she thinks, yeah. Oh, we can still ask Kevin because he's also writing reports. Yeah, (laughs) but it's not the same thing. Look, I'm really happy with the lineup of Lux as it is. But you would love to add Lauren. Yeah, but I know that she was there last year and that the chance of her coming back is slim and I would not want to lose any of the women that we already have there. Not even of the men. I don't want to lose anyone. So Dan showing up and asking like what happens. I do have a question and I know this is not going to get answered but Dan again this is a repeated happenstance is utterly oblivious to the actual conclusion of a case. So my question is is he stupid? Is he lazy? Or is he such a bad cop? All of the above. Uh, all of the above. <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't read the character Dan as either stupid, lazy or a bad cop in a sense of shit at his job. So this confuses me a lot. He's not a great human being, but he didn't register to me as a bad cop. I think in comparison to Chloe, he just doesn't care nearly as much. He just sees an easy solution. I wonder why. I kind of want more backstory on Dan, so it makes more sense. Is he the asshole that we perceive him to be? Do we ever get a backstory on him? I don't know. We will see. 
Speaking of Chloe, mm-hmm. because Dan is kind of the antithesis of Chloe. Like everything Chloe is brilliant in, Dan sucks in. Chloe talks to Lucifer with the, I figured out why you do the whole favor thing. And she says several things and she says, it's about power. You're addicted to creating chaos. You seem to have some kind of God complex. And I think this is extremely accurate of this incarnation of Lucifer. Because depending on the source of biblical lore that you read and depending on which interpretation, one of the reasons Lucifer fell is because he wanted to see himself as equal. And if I'm remembering correctly, this is also the base for the Lucifer comics. In the comics, Lucifer creates an alternate universe in which he is God. Mm -hmm. So her pointing out that he has some kind of God complex for me, feels like a tiny nod towards the comics. What is another great thing is, again, he does not react negatively to any of this except for the God complex. So every single time God, aka Dad, gets mentioned, Lucy just gets upset. The creating chaos thing is very, very accurate. Isn't one of his name Lord of Chaos or is it just in my head? Yes, I think the metal scene took that a lot. There's also a movie. But there's that whole like the Satanists and everything. Because basically like God is order and structure. And so the adversary has to be the opposite, which is chaos. And of course it's about power. Obviously. Even though Lucifer claims to have no interest in souls, by collecting favors, he is in fact collecting power he's collecting ious exactly which is nothing else but a different kind of trait quality he's not trying to hide it as well he's absolutely fine with yeah that's why i do it it's fine then we're in the car and everything and lucifer turns around and does his eye contact power show thing and this concludes scene 12 for me scene 13 i called pet pigs go to heaven too right (laughs) no I'm not happy with Lucifer saying that pigs are in hell. I know it's a metaphor, but we're back at Benny Choice and we get a close-up of the fucking shoes of the sweet kicks. They're horrible. Matter of opinion, Lena. Yes, of course, it's fashion. I hate them. I would wear them. I also hate that Lucy is taking the easy way out by blaming Benny for not telling him about the consequences for Viper. This is a classic, do you have to deliver the information or do you have to ask for the information? And I think in those situations where Lucy is the more powerful, which she always is in the favor situation with humans because he's not human, Of course, Benny is not utterly non-responsible for anything, but more responsibility lies with Lucifer. I feel like the devil face we get in this scene is even more sophisticated than we have in the last episodes. Well, they clearly have more money now, so... Yes, so it feels way better. And holy shit, when the devil face is gone and Tom Ellis is just looking straight into the camera, that man can be so scary. He gets a few acting moments in this episode. Damn. That was creepy. That was scary. We're then going back to wrapping up the case and setting up the basic premise of the show now. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, I'm happy that they gave themselves the time to wait until episode 5 to give us the basic premise of the show. That he's now an official civilian consultant of the LAPD. Quote end. I like that Chloe is now accepting that 
he is her partner. She goes out and says, oh, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. But she smiles the entire time. This feels more like banter. Yeah. This is what I was missing in the beginning. Now she seems like she's having fun with the verbal bantering. Earlier on, she didn't. This is the main difference. Fair enough. She's laughing, he's laughing, she pretends to be into him, he stupidly falls for it again. Again. (laughs) I love this. I love this moment. It's so funny and so cute and their chemistry is incredible. And as she's driving away, a song starts playing. What song? It's by Edwin Collins and it's called A Girl Like You and it says... Never met a girl like you before. Never met a girl like you before. Oh, right. Which is a really good song. And, excuse me, never met a girl like you before. While Chloe's driving away and Lucifer just stares at the car in disbelief that she did it to him again. It's absolutely absolutely perfect. And it translates into the entire next scene. And it goes on till the very end of the episode, till we get the credits. So... Last scene, I put the Ed Lux and Ed Chloe's together in one because we basically follow Mace. For me, as being our declared Mace fan, thank you for giving me an episode that focuses so much on Mace and gives me an ending scene with Mace and gives the actress so many opportunities to display more range because so far Mace has been very, very limited in her range. And it hurts my heart to see Mace being pretty much stuck in the protector role for Lucifer. When we switch over to Chloe's place where she's lying in the chair, we see Mace leaning in. And I must say, I mean, duh, the actress is gorgeous. But when she's leaning in, the contrast between this very close to perfect face and then you have the camera to the mirror where you see the demon face. You have this open side and sinews and muscles and everything. The contrast in itself is so well done. Though, of course, the nitpicker in me is like, so does every mirror show her demon side or not? And if not, why now? But I'm not going to ruin this very, very amazing scene. It speaks a lot for Chloe that she wakes up under the threat of Maze's presence. Because repeatedly we have been told about Chloe's gut and Chloe's instinct and everything. So if she hadn't woken up, I would have taken issue. So it makes me very, very happy that she wakes up terrified because her senses told her there is danger. And I'm going to conclude my notes on this scene with a question. Why didn't Mace do anything to Chloe? Is it really just that she's more worried that Lucifer is going to be angry with her? To me, and I've said that at the beginning of the episode, the way she phrases her protectiveness over Lucifer, I will save you from a danger even if you won't see it coming, is her getting her excuse ready because she knows that Lucifer is going to eventually find out that she gave the information to Ames. She knows that's going to come out at a certain stage. And to me, she's smart. And she knows that if she hurts Chloe at this moment, she's dead. She's bye-bye. I'm pretty sure that she sees her as an issue, but is she willing to bet her life on it? 
is another question. Apparently not yet. So I feel like in the future what we should get is her trying to figure out internally if the problem is with Lucifer changing or with Chloe changing Lucifer. Because at this moment she doesn't really have any information on Chloe except for what Lucifer told her. Exactly. I would expect Maze to collect more intel basically because she's not just a ninja, she's the special ops person. Mm-hmm. I have a little segment I'd like to call Eyeliner Watch. Ooh, Eyeliner Watch. Doop, doo, 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 you, ne- you need to create a jingle or something. So, I was watching the eyeliner. I was a fucking idiot who didn't write down the exact moments where I thought of it, but there was a lot of them. However, I draw a conclusion. It feels like it comes out very heavily when they are indoors slash at night. So you mean to say Lucifer has an indoor and a night makeup? And then he has day slash action times. Because then... (laughs) When we compare it to the Viper scene, it's a big difference in eyeliner. I was shook. So that concludes my eyeliner watch. I'm gonna put down my overall feelings if you want. What I thought about this episode, Lucy is being selfish as per usual. And there was a really interesting debate about the consequences and who's the one who's good and who's the one who's bad and how it affects whom. But it's really interesting. In the end of the day, we should take responsibility for our own lives and stop depending on things around us. And I think that's one of the things that they are trying to highlight, especially in this episode. I really enjoyed the whole relationship of Mace and Lucifer and that Aminadiel is finally starting his own thing with Linda. And I'm fucking pissed that there was no fucking Trixie. How dare they? At least there wasn't too much of done, but still. I can sign pretty much everything you said, except that I did not enjoy the relationship between Mace and Lucifer. For me, it was just really interesting. It was interesting. My general notes, Mace is, as I've said repeatedly this episode, the saving grace of this episode. I cannot stand Lucifer in 90% of this. Chloe is her usual stuck-in-her-own-ways self. Dan has his usual try and fail in the same instant moment and then is not seen again. There is nearly no Linda. And tiny bit of Linda that is there is overshadowed by the extremely creepy Amenadiel. So, the bad guy is meh again. The leads that they follow are obvious as fuck. You may have noticed that I did not mention the case once because it did not leave an impact. And the writing has several issues apart from the ones that I already mentioned. And I pointed out one of the emotion fun making. There were several and it did not get better from case to case. So I took issue with that. I was not happy that the general plot did not move. We only have this one plot progression that now Lucifer is an official liaison. Well, and then that Aminadiel is taking an actual steps towards getting Lucifer back into hell. True. I have to amend to that. Yes, there's that as well. But it's 47 minutes. I expect more. If this episode had not the amount of maze time and maze kicking major 
Yes, this episode would rate so low for me. I'm sorry for complaining. I promise I really do love this show. But this episode felt very meh to me. But Mace is amazing and I will take every second of Mace time that I can get. And that's it from me. That's a nice positive note to end this on. Yes, I put the maze question into the future questions. So we will keep an eye out. We have written down all the questions that we will ask the Lux people when we finally get to meet them at some point. We don't know yet when. We will let you know. So you can give us questions at lucifer at podcastcom Thank you for the positive note at the end. And thank you for listening. And if you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter. At the Apple of Truth, one word. Or Instagram. At TAOT Podcast. We also have a Facebook page that can be found under both names. Our episodes, as well as our beautiful playlist, can be found on Spotify and episodes only on iTunes. For those of you who want to know if there are any other ways to get involved, besides obviously telling all your friends to listen to the show and keep nagging them until they do, as mentioned in the beginning of the episode, you can find us at patreon.com slash podcast if you want to and if you can. Thank you and goodbye! Bye!